0: picking back up in our series on following his steps, following uh, the steps of Jesus through the Gospels and and, uh, looking at the different situations he was in, the different ways uh, that he worked and that he ministered and just the specific details of his life. Uh, We've been in this series for over a year now, I believe, and uh, we're already in Luke chapter 7, uh, so I'm not sure how long, typically you start a new theme every year, but uh, we might be here for the next two or three years. Uh, it's a pretty big pretty big topic, studying the life of Christ. Um, but I've enjoyed every step of the way. It hasn't got old to me yet, um, even though it seems as we're moving slowly. But I've been thoroughly enjoying it. Um, before we get started today, um, I just want to publicly uh, thank Maggie. Uh, she's excited about that. Uh, today is our 12-year anniversary, our wedding anniversary. Um, so, I just want to thank her publicly for dealing with me for 12 years. And I thank, you, thank you, Jamie. Uh, I thoroughly a- appreciate her. She's a wonderful wife. And, um, I couldn't accomplish anything without her. She's so supportive. She's a wonderful help. Um, just as a wife and then with all that she gets thrown into being the pastor's wife she does a wonderful job with that she does so much and then uh, raising our, our four children I'm so thankful to have her for their mother so uh, thank you Maggie happy so. uh Luke chapter what <laughs> oh. I take back everything I say <laughs> Just kidding. So last time we were studying in, in Luke chapter 7, we saw Jesus healing a centurion's servant or a centurion's slave. Uh, if you remember, if you, it was three or four weeks ago uh, when we looked at this story, uh, we saw this centurion had a servant. His servant was about to die. He was very sick. He was greatly tormented by the illness that he had and it was kind of interesting whereas slaves or servants were treated very very poorly and and typically you wouldn't care if one of your slaves or your servants were sick but this centurion actually cared he had compassion so he sent some people to Jesus to heal his servant and we found in the story where Jesus ends up healing the centurion's servant he doesn't even have to go to his house to heal him he sees the centurion's faith and he was Amazed at this centurion's faith, and that kind of stood out to me as we studied that. For Jesus to be amazed by anything, he is—he is God. Uh, but he—he he saw this man's faith, and this this man believed in Jesus that he could—that he could heal his servant. He didn't have to go to his house. Uh, this centurion was a man of power, and he recognized that he wasn't even worthy to go before Jesus. But Jesus saw his faith. He healed his servant, and he healed him. Completely, And then Jesus moves on. And what we saw in that study was we saw uh, Jesus' power, we saw his deity on display, we saw his authority over sickness, uh, we saw Jesus working in, in an incredible way that only God could do. And as we get into our story this week, we're going to see more of the power of Jesus on display. He's going to go about it in a different way. There's nobody asking Jesus to help them. We don't see any faith from anybody recorded. But we see Jesus working a miracle. We see Jesus raising someone from the dead. Which we hear that. We hear the stories of, yes, Jesus raised people from the dead. But think of that. That's incredible. To raise someone from the dead. Like they were dead, really dead, dead, dead. And Jesus raises them from the dead. And I don't want us to, because we know the facts, we know Jesus was all powerful, we know that he could raise people from the dead. I don't want us to look at these these stories and be like, oh yeah, Jesus being God again, Jesus doing his thing again. But I want us to consider, if you were a part of this miracle, if you would have saw this, it would have amazed you. It probably would have changed your life. Jesus brought something back from Let's look at our, it's just a few verses today, should be a a pretty brief study, but let's look at our text, Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17, I want to read the story and then go back and go verse by verse through it, starting in verse number 11, and it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying, that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for who You are. I thank You for Your faithfulness. I thank You for Your grace and Your mercy, for Your compassion. I thank You that You are so real and You work in our lives and You work in our hearts and You challenge us and You you, you comfort us and You're always there for us. I pray that You'll help us now as we look into your word, that you'll give us understanding. I pray that we will see your, your glory, that we will see your greatness, that you will be exalted. I thank you for all that you are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we just read an incredible story. We just looked at the details of this incredible story. This is, at least in my life, in my past, this has not been one of the most popular, well, most popular well-known miracles. We heard that Jesus raised people from the dead. But as far as hearing this story taught, I was trying to think back on all 32 years of my life, and I don't ever remember hearing a message on this. So we know Jesus raised people from the dead, but this typically isn't one of the most popular miracles or stories that we look to. But did you see what just happened? Jesus literally raised someone from the dead. How's that for power? I mean, that's authority on display. That's power on display. Jesus brought someone back from the dead. Jesus had displayed power over death. Now, please don't let that get old, that thought get old, that Jesus is more powerful than death. It's so important. It's evidence of his deity. Let's look at verse 11. We'll get into the story here. And it came to pass the day after. So we know the context of this is Jesus was was in Capernaum. He had healed this this servant boy. He made his way to Nain. And Nain was 20 to 25 miles southwest of Capernaum. Nain was a small village. Um, Nain was about six miles southeast of Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. So if you're a a geography wizard in, in the back of your Bible, you can kind of picture where this is at. But we have this little city, this little tiny village, and Jesus is going to make his way from Capernaum to Nain. Nain was just on the other side of the hill from Shunem, where Elisha raised a young boy from the dead a few hundred years prior to this. So it's, it's close to an area where someone had been brought back from the dead. And you can read that story in 2 Kings chapter 4 if you're interested in that. But what we have there is God raised a boy from the dead, but he used Elisha to be the prophet um, to perform the miracle. So life was restored, but God was the one giving the power and he used Elisha. So the difference in with Jesus' miracle is that Jesus is God. And Jesus had the power within himself to raise the dead. But you can see why these people would think that God was raising up a prophet in Jesus. But we're going to look at today that Jesus was so much more than a prophet. So here we have we have Jesus traveling 20 plus miles from Capernaum to Nain, and he does not travel. Alone. Did you see in in the verse it it says his disciples, many of his disciples went with him, and much people? So can you picture this? We have Jesus, we have God in the flesh. We talked about that at Christmas, right? God becoming flesh and dwelling amongst. We have God in the flesh on his earthly ministry, walking. He's walking some 25 miles, and he has a whole bunch of people following him. Anybody take 20-mile walk? I want us to put this in perspective. I know it's kind of interesting to think about a 20-mile walk. But we have Jesus going on. I mean, he couldn't take a a train. He couldn't take a car or bus. We have Jesus walking through the desert. And he wasn't by himself. It wasn't, hey, I'm going to go take a journey by myself. He has all these people following him, his disciples, those who believed in him, those who were following him, those who were trusting in him followed him on this journey, which I understand that. I mean, it's still a 25-mile walk. That's a lot of work. But we have them believing in Jesus, following Jesus. But we also have, did you see, that there was also much people? They weren't called his disciples. They didn't necessarily believe on him yet. Many of them would never believe on Jesus, but they were following him. So could you imagine taking a 25-mile walk with someone that you don't necessarily believe? what he has to say. I've never been on a 25-mile walk in my life. But there's something special about Jesus. That yes, his disciples are willing to follow him, and then all these people are willing to follow him. Probably not knowing where they were going or why they were going there. They were just following Jesus this man who had been doing miracles. What an just an incredible sight, an incredible thought to think about. Because I believe this is truth. I believe this actually happened. And to think of a whole group of people following a man on a 25 mile walk is pretty impressive. So we have Nain. We have this small village. um, But this village still had a gate, which I don't know if you care about that, but that was interesting to me. That is it's a small village, small city, but it still has a gate. And uh, was it a walled city? Probably not, but there was a gate. The gate is significant because this is where people would meet to socialize, or this is where the elders or the leaders of the city would come together to do, to do business. It was important, an important place. So we have Nain. We have Nain actually having a gate. Jesus gets to the gate of the city. He's approaching the gate of the city. Verse 12. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. So Jesus gets to the gate of the city, and he sees there's a funeral procession heading out of the city. This doesn't take Jesus by surprise. This is the reason why he was was going to the city. He had something to accomplish at this funeral. They would usually have the funeral within the city walls, or if it didn't have walls, inside the city. And then they would bury the body outside of the gate, outside of the city. Do you see Jesus' perfect timing here? I mean, He's on this long journey. He's coming. He catches this funeral as it's outside of the city, before the man is buried. And we have Jesus in this perfect timing, this perfect intercept, not by accident, with this funeral party why would Jesus go to this little village at this particular time and we see the answer the, the I guess the smaller picture of the answer is he had a funeral to interrupt not typically something that you interrupt there's usually respect surrounding a funeral which I'm not saying Jesus disrespected the funeral but he's going to interrupt this funeral he's going to change these people's plans for their whole day The man that died was the only son to a widow. So you put that together. There's a woman who lost her husband. She has a son, and her son dies. So in that culture, she's in big trouble. Her her son would have been the one taking care of her, the one providing for her, the one meeting her needs. So we have this widow woman all alone with her son, and now her son dies. So her whole world changed. Her whole life changed. See, She has no one to help her, to provide for her, to protect her, to meet her needs because her son just died. And it says much people were with her. So this woman was apparently a very respected lady where there was a big... It wasn't just her going by herself to bury her son. There was a whole bunch of people with her. So either she was respected or her son was a respected man with this big funeral procession. Are you kind of getting this... This picture, I'm trying to give you lots of details here so you can imagine, so you can picture this scene playing out. A funeral party walking out, I guess it's not a party, a funeral procession, walking out of a city, carrying a dead guy in a, in a coffin, an open-faced coffin is what it would have been like, a lot like a, a stretcher, I guess. But we have this dead man being carried out of the city. Just picture the sadness of this scene. Of this woman, it's not like she just lost one of her kids. She'd already lost her husband, lost her only son. She is hurting. Can you picture the scene of all these people mourning for her? This poor lady lost everything. She is following the dead body of her son out of the city. She is weeping. I imagine she is sobbing. I imagine all the people that were close to her that knew her were crying, if not for her son, but for her for what she was feeling. There's a large crowd around her, lots of sadness, lots of crying. Jesus shows up at the perfect time, at the perfect place. As I said before, not an accident. Look at verse 13. And when the Lord saw her, He had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. So when the Lord saw her, I want us to pause and think of who saw her. The Lord. Not just a a title for Jesus, but it's indicating letting us know that He is the Ruler. The Lord of all lords. Extremely powerful God. Supreme authority. The Lord of all. Looked at this lady. Have you read the story that way before? Have you thought about that? The one that looked at her, the one that had compassion on her, was the supreme authority of all. He looked at her. And what happened? She had compassion. And this word compassion, we've talked about it before. But it gives the, the picture of you hurting, your insides hurting, that you care so much. And I'm sure, I'm sure you've been there before if you've had a loved one who was hurt or if you, if you have a child who gets hurt. My kids love getting stitches and cutting themselves and being in pain for some reason. But to see a, a poor child hurting, your child hurting, it's like you can almost feel it. Uh, for, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but for me the worst is like when When Maverick's running and he rolls his ankle or gets a dead leg, and you see this this kid, just like you know, a little child who should be you know running freely or whatever, but you see them kind of limping, and man, that must hurt on such a smaller scale than this, because the Lord actually knows what she's feeling, and He's hurting for her on the inside. He has compassion on this lady. The Lord had compassion for this woman. And this is not the only time we see this in Scripture. We find it repeated over and over, where He looked on them and He was moved with compassion. Where the Lord, the almighty, all-powerful God in the flesh, was moved with compassion. He felt the hurt of people within Himself. Isn't it so wonderful to have a God that personally knows and cares about us? Not just someone who created the world, put it into existence, and forgot about it. Said, you're on your own. But He cares about each and every single person. And He has compassion and love. And He made His love known. His love was manifested to us. He sent His Son to prove His love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. His love has been shown. We understand that He has... Compassion, And we see this example in Scripture of Jesus literally having compassion on this woman who had just lost everything. Jesus sees this woman. He knows her hurt. He walks up to her as she is following her dead son out of the city. So let's get our minds back on the story. Funeral procession, leaving the city. Jesus looks at this woman, has compassion, and he walks up to her, and what does he say? Don't cry. Weep not. Could you imagine that? I mean, how insensitive could that come across as, not knowing who just said it? I mean, could you imagine walking into a funeral and telling everybody to quit crying? But Jesus has that authority because He knew what He was about to do. And can you imagine Jesus saying, Weep not or or don't cry. And then her thoughts? What do you think her thoughts were when Jesus said, don't cry? There's a good chance she didn't know who he was. She just saw some man walking into the funeral telling her to quit crying. But could you imagine her looking at him thinking, don't you know what I'm going through? This is a funeral. That is my dead son. He is all that I have left. What do you mean weep? I wonder, that's my guess. I wonder what this lady is actually thinking, the thought process that she is, she is having. But well, look at verse 14. And he came and touched the beer, and they that bear him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. So Jesus tells the mom, don't cry. Then he walks over to the coffin or the stretcher, or whatever they're carrying him out of the city on. And he touches the coffin. Could you imagine that? Imagine being at a funeral and watching this take place. That's not normal. But he touches the coffin. And what do the pallbearers do? They stop. I'd be waiting for somebody to tackle this guy who's who's messing up the funeral. You know, get out of here. We're trying to mourn here. We're weeping. But what do they do? They just stop. Jesus had an amazing authority and an amazing power about him. And the people there are just, just watching this unfold. Back to verse 14. And he came and touched the bier, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. So, Jesus speaks to the man that is laying in the coffin dead. And he says, young man, arise. Get up. Sit up. I understand you're dead, but get up. Could you imagine that now? Watching that take place? What, What are you thinking about if you see this unfolding? This guy walks up to a dead body and says, get up. Who has that kind of authority to speak to a corpse? and expect results. Jesus. God. Look at verse 15. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. I'd imagine he had a lot to say. But could you imagine watching that? As I said earlier, this guy was dead, dead. He was really dead. Truly dead. Jesus comes up, says sit up. What does this dead guy do? He sits. Dead people don't sit up. Jesus gave life back to this man. And he sat up. And he started speaking. He is alive. Jesus raises this man from the dead. And Jesus takes him to his mother. And now it's probably starting to click in the mother's mind. Oh, that's how you could say don't cry. Jesus healed her son. Brought her son to him. And we have this amazing display of Jesus being more powerful than death. Of Jesus being Lord of all. Lord of death. Lord of sickness. Jesus was able to raise this man from the dead. How's the funeral procession responding at this point? Is what I would like to know. Well, verse 16. We see some of their response here. And there came a fear on all. I imagine so. Could you imagine seeing that kind of power on display? You went to bury this guy. You didn't go to see him sit up and start talking in his coffin. There's fear on all. Jesus had power over death. And that power brought fear to the people. What in the world is going on here? Also, the people responded by glorifying God. So that's a good response. They're glorifying God. They recognized the power to give life came from God, and they glorified God for the miracle, which is a great response. We were created to glorify God, to bring glory to God, to give God pleasure. That's the reason we were created. And we see this example here of people glorifying God and praising God. They saw this power on display. They recognized this power was from God and they're glorifying God. But look at their next response. They glorified God saying, a great prophet is risen up among us. Well, they recognized Jesus as a great prophet from God like Elijah or like Elisha. They had both raised a dead person by the power of God. The difference was the resurrection they performed were not by their own power but they were an answer to prayer. They asked God to do this and God raised the individual back to life. Jesus had the power being God in himself to say to this dead man sit up. And he sat up. The people only recognized Jesus as a prophet. He was and he is so much more than a great prophet. And we'll get back to that in just a second. The next part of the verse says that God hath visited his people. This is an Old Testament phrase that, recognize, that recognizes God helping his people. And the people looked at this and they recognized that this miracle was from God. So they're recognizing, okay, God God has done something here. God has done a work here. But they still only recognize Jesus as a great prophet, not as God, not as the Messiah. Look at verse 17. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. So this rumor was spreading throughout all the land, as you could imagine. That rumor would probably spread pretty quick when Jesus raised someone from the dead. Jesus just brought someone back to life. The rumor went around that Jesus was a great prophet. The thing is, they only got part of it right. Jesus was so much more than a great prophet. Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was walking among them. The Savior had come. And these people missed it. The Messiah was among them. The one they were looking for, the one they were waiting for was among them. And they missed it and they just recognized Him as a great prophet. Look at John quickly. John chapter 1. I just want to give you a passage showing that Jesus is so much more than a prophet, but He is God in the flesh. John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We have record of Jesus coming to this earth, God in the flesh. Jesus 100% God, yet coming to this earth took on flesh 100% man. He came to this earth, God in the flesh. And He lived a perfect, sinless life. And He was tormented, He was mocked, He was rejected, and He was crucified. He was executed on the cross. And He shed His perfect blood. He was killed three days later. He rose again from the dead. His sacrifice was the perfect and the only sac, the only sacrifice that could satisfy God's just demands, that could appease God's wrath. Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, gave his life a ransom for me. He, he died. He made the payment. He shed his blood to cover our sins. And we can turn to Him. We can believe on Him. We can believe on Him as the Lord and as the Savior. And we can trust in Him for salvation. And He will declare us righteous. Declare us justified. The Messiah. is So much more than just a prophet. Jesus is God. Jesus is salvation. The only salvation. Jesus is more than a prophet. Jesus is more than a great teacher. Jesus is more than a moral man. Jesus is God. He is the King of kings, and He is the Lord of lords. And I just want to ask, have to ask, have you acknowledged Him, Jesus, as who He truly is? Have you recognized him as the Lord, as the Messiah, as the Savior? He's more than a prophet, or a good old man. Jesus is God, and our only hope for salvation. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the gift that You gave for the goodness for the love that You put on display I pray that we will recognize the gift that we will recognize Jesus as, as who He is He is the Lord He is the King of Kings He is the Messiah I pray that we will have a high view of You that we will have a high view of Your Son I thank you for your love and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.